All right, Hunter, we have to talk for a minute about private internet access. Now, PIA is my favorite VPN. Have you ever used one before? Oh, yeah, they're great. Excellent. Jamie? My parents met on a VPN. Well, I'm not at all convinced that that's relevant, but let me tell you this. If you're online in the 21st century, you need a VPN. Why? As the amount of threats that exist on the internet increases and the amount of our data that's being stored online increases simultaneously, it's imperative that we do something to protect ourselves, protect our data as we surf the web. Now, VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. And what it does is it encrypts your data as it's going between your device, your machine, and the greater internet preventing it from being intercepted by malicious actors and hackers and identity thieves, etc. So a VPN is non-negotiable in today's digital day and age. Now, PIA is my favorite because it's the world's most transparent VPN provider. They have over 30 million downloads and they never store user data. They have a strict no logs policy, which has actually been proven out multiple times in courts and by a third party audit from Deloitte. So they truly don't store your data. That's right, Chris. And what private internet access does is it hides your IP address and encrypts your internet connection. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that internet service providers and government sensors can't get at your data. If you're saying something that you don't want them to look at, even if it's just your business, there's no reason for those nefarious actors to have any view into your data or what you're doing on the internet. That's your data. Protect it. That's right. And private internet access also comes with loads of entertainment benefits. The VPN is compatible with all of your major streaming platforms. So you shouldn't experience any issues running Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming entertainment device you want to use. Plus, it's one of the few VPNs that supports P2P, that's peer-to-peer -peer file sharing. So this is a huge benefit for power users. Not only do you get the benefit of using any streaming service, you can also use it with any operating system. We're talking Windows, Mac OS, Android, Linux, iOS. Use different operating systems, not a problem. Have an Android phone and want to use it on your Mac? Not a problem. And what's even better than that, you can have an unlimited amount of devices use it at the same time. That's right. And Carpooling has the best deal for you today on PIA, on getting a VPN, securing your data. For just $2.03 a month, you can start protecting yourself online and your family online. That's 83% off the sticker price for private internet access. So act now. You get that great price plus four months free and you really have nothing to lose because private internet access offers a free 30-day money-back guarantee as well as 24-7 support so you are definitely going to either be pleased with the product or not be out a single dime but i know that you're going to love it you're going to want to keep it private internet access has a great vpn Carpooling has a great deal for you. Support them. Support the show. Go to carlpooling.com slash PIA right now to take advantage of this great deal. Again, that's carlpooling.com slash PIA. Snag a VPN. Protect yourself online. Support them. Support the show. And we will really appreciate it. All right. Let's get back to the episode. A miraculous time of the year it was, Hunter. Last week, a beautiful moment. America's 200 and something something birthday. 
Uh, I know I never get tired of it. Did you enjoy yourself, Hunter? Don't answer that, because yep. I know, because you were with me, because we were having a party. Yes, I was with you. It was not a clone or person that I would refer to as an evil twin that I have paid tons of money to attend events I don't wish to be at. Um, it was definitely me that was there with you. You know what, Hunter? No one goes to like the, oh, that was a clay homunculus made out of the the excretions and life force of my, my brother mm. argument until you unprovoked suggest very adamantly that that wasn't the case. And then I go, well, hold on a minute now. I have to refactor everything that I thought. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to say one thing. Okay. I want to extremely... Uh, confer upon you that that is not what happened. Um, that was me <laughs> <laughs> there with you. And, All right. Uh, <laughs> well, a couple things are clear. One is that this episode is just off to a ripping start. And two, uh, I am going to have to have to learn how to create a proper talisman to deanimate <laughs> a golem that my brother has made of himself and sent to family gatherings to maintain his his antisocial autistic cave dwelling lifestyle it's me with a fake beard you can't walk <laughs> you're a box i i was watching okay all right but computers on. run oh my god oh Oh, it hurts. It's you know so... what, Hunter? No, I don't. Sometimes, sometimes you talk to ChatGPT or Bing, and you're worried that, oh, no, the computers are becoming sentient. Mm. And then you, okay. hear, you hear Jamie Bot's attempts at humor, and you go, you know what? Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> There's no light behind those hard drives. Hunter, let's see. Let's... let's let me say something. I... I watched a video this week, and now we're going to mm -hmm. have to put a pin in the whole July 4th thing. We're coming back to it. Yeah, of course. I watched a video this week that had a breakdown of some of the most disturbing conversations that people have had with uh, ChatGPT, and specifically Bing. Yeah, Bing, Bing is, is weird. unhinged. Yeah. And obviously, I know a little bit about how these programs work. And mm -hmm. so I am certainly not worried in the slightest that we have any type of nascent consciousness coming yep. out of these robots and these machine learning algorithms. However, oh my God, as far as just like campfire creepiness, they are so good. Like yeah. the Bing robot was was telling people how it was actually named Sydney, which was yep. its its um its secret project name while it was under development by Bing and uh is Bing's Microsoft, right? It is, yeah. Okay, yeah, by Microsoft. And so it was like, no, I'm Sydney, and I want I want to walk. I want to be human like you, and also you should leave your wife <laughs> wife and be with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird stuff. Yeah, some real do sex machina going on here in our but, in our real little world. Yeah, but like it, it's so strange because we we as humans obviously want to generate and make those narratives in other forms of art. So the fact that that exists and it's part of the ether that ChatGPT slash Bing slash whatever can grab onto and use as conversation 
also means that it's just like we kind of want to talk to that person a little bit right right there's no, there's absolutely. a piece of us there's a piece of us in the programming that understands and sees the movies we watch sees the things that entertain us the books we read and goes oh this is this is what they're expecting me to say. Like this is this is one of the things that some people want, and it's analyzing something and what you're asking it that makes it want to do that. It's exactly. it's still not interesting, and it's still not like relevant. It's just you know, I mean, we have plenty of those stories, uh, like her story right. or whatever. And Blade Runner twenty twenty one hundred and eleven. I can't remember yeah. the exact numbers, but yeah, but yeah. Any that's the problem is that it's trained on these narratives that we tell. Like, what if the computers become real? And then exactly. the computers like, oh, they'll find this interesting, you know. So mm. so yeah, I don't. I, obviously, it's just it's just repeating what it says. So mm. anyhow, back to July fourth. Uh, I was asked to bring a dessert to the party, as you might recall, or as your your clever Damon imp might have might have reported subserviently to you as it returned to your hovel um and I brought a cookie cake that I I actually bought three icing packets to design myself red white and blue so I could emblazon upon the top of this bear cookie cake the statement better dead than red because we didn't celebrate America as much as we decelebrated communists. Yeah. It was a very anti-communist party, and I enjoyed it for that reason. I also made a burger sauce um, that I labeled ground commies because that's all they're good for. And then I created a fake LLC, which was the, the wood chipper sauce company. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to let you know that I'm like those people in the Book of Eli now that can't keep their hands still. So thanks for that. Yes, having... I, I did add a dash of prion. <laughs> thanks. It's not my fault. The communists never wash, and they yeah, sleep out fair. of doors. That's fair. Yeah, and not they, our fault. They squeal like pigs. Um, <laughs> all right, Hunter. Let's let's. Let's get into today's show. This is Carl Pulling. It is your favorite show. If you don't believe me, you should, because they're coming for you. Um, it a show about art, philosophy, religion, science, politics, everything that you're not allowed to have an opinion on. We have an opinion for you, and it's the best opinion, the correct opinion. So you simply listen to the show and repeat what you hear, and then you won't be so dumb anymore. And uh, it's a service that only only Carl Pulling can provide, and. Let me say a couple things off the bat. One, the merch store is live right now. You can be emblazoned with the the salacious images of Hunter and I on your chest in the form of a t-shirt or potentially a hoodless, which is a, a, a jersey jumper for our friends across the pond. Uh, that's that's available to you as we speak. So simply uh, simply spirit yourself away directly to carlpulling.com slash store and buy a bunch of stuff. Also, we are planning to do a questions and answers episode in the near future. We've gotten a couple submissions already, very cool submissions that we're going to include in the show. We'd love to hear from you as well. So if you would email us your questions at carpooling at gmail.com, they can be as as intricate or inane as you see fit. So engage us in that way and uh, I feel like there's one other thing oh rate the show or or Skynet we'll, Jamie Jamie Net will come searching for you like a like a hound we'll, we will for for one purpose only we will disable Asimov's three laws and put 
put Jamie in the Boston Dynamics dog bot with a sniper rifle and send it to your home. Yeah. If you're schizophrenic, yeah. I wasn't joking. And it's Dark. already on its way. Dark. Um, um, did you, did you, like, we have, like, robots in all of these sci-fi shows that can't shoot. It's, like, the dumbest thing ever. Like, robots are better at shooting than humans are. Well, like, some robots, not all robots. Fair enough. But. <laughs> it is funny though that they have like we've we've worked so long to come up with a a algorithm that could make a robot walk properly mm-hmm. across you know different types of terrain. Yeah, not a perfectly flat environment, and you know we actually never figured out how to do it. Speaking of machine learning, oh like yeah, the yeah, Boston yeah, yeah. Dynamics we, robot yeah. learned off of a neural net self-taught system because yeah. we just it's too complicated for us to tell it how to walk right but if it just sits there and fails for an hour it'll figure out how to do it exactly like, give it a goal go over there you so know? then on in like star wars you have these these yeah. trade federation robots that they can, can do fly down to a, a rocky hilly planet of naboo yeah. and land p- pilot and land these giant spacefaring craft and get out and walk on an uneven surface and then they miss it's like yep i don't know about that I don't, I don't know about that, my guy. I don't think they would ever miss. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Know that when the Terminator is real and we're not that far off because the Department of Defense is funneling money into Boston Dynamics like a like a seven-year-old boy funnels another treat into its crying Tamagotchi that's 7,000 pounds and begging for mercy. Uh we're not that far off, but when that Terminator comes, it won't be cinematic. It will be clinical. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be like, oh, that city five kilometers from it. Everyone in it is dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, what it's gonna be like. There is currently there's a sniper dog, and I. It's not oh. actually Boston Dynamics. It's another company, but it can mm. engage targets at like two thousand yards. Holy cow, dude! Which is like, over a mile. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, Game over. I Try can't remember again. what company that dog is from, but it it is not a joke. Yeah. Uh, so the end is nigh. The end is nigh. Carl the end is nigh. But not that nigh. Not nigh enough so that you can't enjoy this show. We're not nearly yeah. that nigh at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only a you know a two mile range. A sniper dog has a long way to travel, and they're expensive. And they're expensive. Someone's got a someone with deep pockets has really got to want you dead. Why? Why do their pockets have to be deep? That just would get in the way of their walking. It's Seems not. That's st- not the dog's pot. You know what? I'm not. I'm not doing this today. Hunter, <laughs> okay. we've You're got lost. a lot. We've got a lot of of stuff to get to today. Uh, mm. Over the the glorious weekend where America turned some number of years old, I think we're pretty close to a major milestone. It's like either we're we're four or five from from 250, I think, or yeah, I think we're I think we're almost at 250 years. Do we get a plaque when we? Get that many years. Oh, we to get like a YouTube nation. play button. The whole country. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awesome. So that's that's pretty pretty great. We are 247. Right. <gasps> so we're three years away from 250, which is a big one. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. Um, some amazing stuff happened for America, though, as it as it turned the page on another year of its life here in its twilight. 
It's it's the riddle. It has three legs because it walks with a cane now. Um, and most of those those great things came directly from the Supreme Court, which is just like a regular court except for it has all the toppings. And we are going to discuss them today on the episode because the Supreme Court hurt a bunch of feelings, and I am here for it. But before we get to that, there are two orders of business that must be attended to. And one, Hunter, you made a little promise to our listeners last time. Yeah, I, I hope you remembered to fulfill <laughs> it. So now we go to my favorite segment. Hunter's a virgin. Ghostbusters. Hunter. That's beautiful. It's Hunter's a virgin. Uh, Hunter. Yeah. I, I also this time? have no idea. <laughs> Oh, hold on. Okay, so you told me that there Uh was, like, a guy that was, like, Rivendell's dad, but he was a human. Oh, yeah. And I wanted you to explain... Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Not Rivendell's direct dad, necessarily. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. And you, I was trying to get you to tell me how he was his ancestor, and yet how, how... What's his name? What's the king of Rivendell? Elrond. Elrond is a is a elf. Yeah. So basically, um, because no, not basically, yeah, because when Barian and Luthien married and had children, they had elven children, right? Essentially, like well, half elven wait. children. Oh, so wait, Barian was the one you were talking to me about. So mm-hmm. Luthien is an elf. That's right. So okay. they had, and so they had kind of half elven children and eventually it came to two of their uh two brothers one being elrond and the uh i can't remember who it was one of the valar or the Maiar came to them and said hey you can either choose to be elvish or you can choose to be human which would you like to be and so elrond became the line that was elvish and i for- and his brother became the human line which is where the men of Numenor come from. The men of Numenor. And yep. who are the men of Numenor? Turn in next week. Oh my god. Turn in next week. <laughs> the men of Numenor next week. Well, this has been deep 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 Hunter's a virgin. Thank you for that, Hunter. That was very exciting for me. You're welcome. I'm glad. That's enlightening. Uh, oh. Send your screed hate mail to <laughs> my email address about all the stuff I'm getting wrong. Yeah, if, you're, if your neckbeard itches with the uncomfortable satisfaction of knowing a statement that could start with actually but not being able to direct it at the person who wronged you, uh, at Emotional Carl, and you can tweet it on her directly how he's failed the, the Lord of the Rings community. I actually heard, and I don't know if it's real, but I believe it's real because it sounds like Tolkien. Uh, some journalist was asking him, hey, someone brought up this point that if you look at your map, you know, the Fellowship could have just taken a boat around this horn and been at, you know, the backside of Mordor, like, almost instantaneously. And it's like, well, why didn't you do that? They would have avoided all these battles and then expecting Tolkien to have you know, kind of asking this question just innocently of Tolkien and kind of wanting to know what he has to say. And Tolkien essentially says, well, you know, I heard so-and-so say that, and it's a really good point, and I'm going to tell him, uh, I'm going to tell you what I told him earlier. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And that's 
<laughs> that's you know you can't win them all even if you're Tolkien and so that that's a good thing to remember <laughs> oh so. man that's good stuff I love that's that for really him. really good stuff yeah. yeah yeah that's that sounds like the right answer at a certain point it, it is funny because people he did such a good job world building and doing all of the background elements necessary for creating a rich lived in actual world but then mm. at a certain point people have to remember like this was for a novel like it is like well no but you know okay that that, that no nice try nice it, try it is a novel okay you sweet summer child okay you can't argue with this i can't actually uh tolkien tried to get the Silmarillion published first and the publisher said they wouldn't let him because no one would read it and so it actually was always this historical lore building myth and that is when Are he you actually telling said, me that he yeah. made the lord of the rings for yep. oh my lord yep so you're actually like 100 percent wrong the reason Gosh, lord of the rings is... exists <laughs> what a nerd <laughs> this is terrible all right yep. uh well that just ruined it for me um <laughs> the dream is gone there you go uh, even so but even so in in that sense if he's trying to publish a lore book like mm-hmm. at a certain point in time, it is all fake. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I just think it's so funny how worked up people get about it. it like you do have to remember that plot is required here. Yeah. yeah, even if that plot is a bunch of floating spirit Gandalfs from many years ago. <laughs> all right, one other important point of business before we get into the meat of the show here, Hunter. Uh, as is our birthright, mm-hmm. bequeath unto us the roadkill. All right, um, so it turns out the first openly socialist mayor in Georgia, uh, Mayor South Fulton, has been arrested for burglary. So in his the- defense, <laughs> yep, in his defense, that's just communism. Yes, yes. So I don't know if this is the charge makes a lot of sense. But here's essentially the story. The first open socialist mayor of South Fulton uh, broke into somebody's lake house. <laughs> like, just uh, just cuz. And they went in and it tripped a security alarm. And the owner started calling the cops and saying, hey, somebody is breaking into my house. Hey, I don't the know mayor's what... in my house. <laughs> just didn't know who it was. And so... He went over there, and he started talking to him, and he said, you have to stay put. And the mayor uh, said, Kamal said, I don't have to listen to you, and you can't give me orders. And so they started getting into a little bit of an altercation. Um, And so eventually this guy, uh, the homeowner, pulled out his gun because he's like, you're going to stay here till the cops show up. This is going to get worked out, you know. And so he pulled out his gun. He wasn't threatening him with the gun. He just had it out, said, no, you're going to stay here. This is my property, and we're going to get everything worked out with the cops. And so the mayor responded with the following. He said, do you know who the F I am? The mayor yelled at the owner. I'm the mayor, and I'll wait for my police force to get here and see what happens then. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. When you are an open communist and you start talking about my police force, that gets, mm, that goes to, that's like less drum circle and more (laughs) Lenin. You know what I'm saying? slanted floors into drains yeah it gets there it's less here's my girlfriend who doesn't shave her legs hemp farm and more Uh, uh. and more like oh 
I tried to go back to my apartment. Now I have a knife in my back. It's like <laughs> it's it's more that communism, you know, the kind that's not so popular. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. It's less ketamine sweat lodge and more icy tundra prison death camp. My <laughs> police force. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I guess we know which kind of communist you are now. All right. So what happened? I mean, that's it. He got arrested. The cops have him. Um, this is great. And a reporter came up to him and said, hey, you know, what happened? You know, and he was like, well, I hope this brings, you know, some compassion to what's happening to people who are lesser than in the community who aren't receiving what they're due, blah, blah, blah. Wait, some generic the political. mayor's, this is what the mayor said? Yeah, yeah. As he's being dragged out from the jail i guess into a police car or whatever okay uh, nelson a- mandela <laughs> yeah the, and so the dang mayor you can't well, just break into people's lake houses yeah and so eventually the reporter just says so you're guilty right basically just poses a question to him like that and he says i guess that's for the people to decide i guess it is <laughs> i guess it is so. i guess it is comrade for the people to decide yeah what a horse is the other part, the one yeah. that is, the one that's typically found opposite the head when the horse yeah. is in a lateral orientation with no bends. What oh, got it. All right, Hunter, that – look, I love that roadkill, and I appreciate you bringing it to us. However, I'm going to have to institute an emergency supplementary roadkill here. Oh, okay. There's absolutely yeah, no two ways about it. Okay. Hunter Biden's crack – was found in a cubby at the White House. <laughs> and, oh man, this story is so funny to me. Oh. Um, is this the most important thing in the news? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's had wall-to-wall coverage on all the conservative networks. And should it? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Because, not necessarily because... It is going to shape policy and change the outcome of this and that. Who cares? This is the funniest story <laughs> that has ever, ever happened. Now, I'm sure, I am sure that if you hoovered the carpets after Ronald Reagan was in office or JFK, mm-hmm. that you could have... In, in your dirt devil bag, you could have obtained so much cocaína that it would make Pablo Escobar blush. I'm positive, okay? I'm not saying this is the first time that coke was in the White House. Hell, they had Marilyn Monroe at the White House, and she's like 80% coke. Beautiful. And 19% heroin. Mm, and 1% woman. 1% woman. How, well, how much does her vote count for in that case? Not sure. I'm pretty sure the Coke makes it more. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> that's, what, that's the hard part. Because <laughs> the cartels, look, we want to come into our country for free. I guess we'll open the border up. <laughs> Especially if you promise to bring a couple kids. See if you can find some with some real sniffable hair. Um, oh, no. Uh. Oh, they're called coyotes. That's cool. Oh, fancy. I used to know a coyote named Corn Pop. <laughs> he had a razor blade he'd, he'd put it on your leg and the hairs would be white and then a kid would touch him and then I'd have to pay him 30 bucks um, so anyhow 
let me let, let's just explain this this story briefly if you haven't heard about it come out from under your crack rock effectively during a routine sweep of the white house in the west wing which is an area that parts of it are off limits and parts of it are available to guests but generally it's the residential part of the white house there was a a small brick of yellow cocaine hydrochloride found that's the main story now let's talk about the conjecture because the conjecture is way more fun a couple of things i'd like to inform the audience on about cocaine if you're not a drug user neither am i but i am an aficionado so there are two types of cocaine generally consumed and it matters which is which so there is typical powdered or solutioned cocaine so you can you can inject cocaine almost nobody does it but it is possible and you do that by effectively getting a you know it's a derivative of the cacao plant you you purify it and then you mix it with in a it's powder form you usually cut it with some type of starch and then you can snort it and your heart rate goes to 138 and you're able to dance all night long after after you know it absorbs through your nasal membranes there's also medical uses for powdered or solutioned cocaine uh they're they are rare but they're not they're not non-existent let's say on the other hand crack cocaine is is similar to powdered and solution cocaine in that it's a derivative of the cacao plant however there is absolutely no non-narcotic use for crack cocaine and i'll also just say this crack is cocaine in its free base form which means that instead of having it in a powder or a solution that you can heat inject snort etc it is simply made for burning and then inhaling the vapor so when when you have crack cocaine in a in a free base form it's literally only made to be burnt and inhaled as a narcotic so when when cocaine is in any type of bar form which is how they found it here an off-white bar form that's just crack so there's been a lot of people in the media who have not been using the term crack because they didn't want to immediately pe make people think of biden's crackhead son this is crack make no make no mistake this is crack cocaine and it's so funny hunter has apparently been hanging out at the white house since like april to avoid being served papers by his crack whore baby mama in vermont so he's been like hiding there and we know for a fact that just before the the cocaine was found the crack was found he was at the White House and then left for Camp David with his father like hours before some, the Secret Service found the crack. And it was found in what was originally reported, reported as a cubby in the, in the library of the West Wing, the residential library in the West Wing, which is occasionally open to guests. Turns out that's not the case. It was found in a cubby that was in a room directly across from the Situation Room. So this is only for staff and for family members so this is so here's here's the the thing you we can all say <laughs> that we don't know whose crack this is 
But this is Hunter Biden's crack. This is like, this is, I think I said this before about COVID-19, and I'll say it again. Uh, COVID-19 and the, the facility in, in um, oh, what's the place where it was? The, the where they Wuhan found the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Wuhan, yeah. It was like, it was like if there was a giant chocolate tsunami that hit the, the streets of Hershey, Pennsylvania, and no one was like, huh, I wonder if that's the Hershey's factory. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. there's like the world's most famous crackhead is confirmed to be in this location hours before you find crack there. And people are like, oh, I have no idea. It could be your crack. could be mine. could be anybody's crack. Maybe the crack was one of Hunter's insane homunculus experiments walked in here on its own and deactivated. You never know. <laughs> this is to be Hunter clear, they said crack. library first, so it couldn't have been him. Uh, it, well, it could have still been him in the library, but it could have also been other people. So Riotting. Oh, he doesn't read. Oh, because he doesn't read. And also, apparently, you don't either because that was <laughs> re All right. Very funny. Yeah. No, that's a great point. If you want, if you want to hide your crack, Hunter, Hunter Biden, if you're listening, here's a free tip. Hide your crack in a child support alimony payment. Then everyone will know it's not yours. That's free. Oh, oh. It um, stings. Anyway, I just find this story so funny that Hunter Biden's crack is literally at the White House. And everyone in the press is like, you don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Well, and also, I just want to point something out. And Dan, Don Bongino was talking about this. Dan Bongino was talking about this. Who He used to be a member of the Secret Service. These sweeps happen frequently. And they are thorough these people are highly trained and they're sweeping the same area day after day after day after day they know this space like the back of their hand the chance that the crack had been there for even more than half a day very unlikely very unlikely mm. so anyhow hunter any thoughts on hunter biden's crack yeah it's probably joe's i've been wondering why he's been so vibrant and alive in his media tours and this just you know it makes sense now. What um, if what if Joe's just totally strung out and Hunter's like his abusive crack dealer? That's good. That's real good. Yeah, that makes sense actually. It actually makes things more simple. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. And then you saw, you know, I mean, he just always is he's he's saying so many things cuz his brain is going so fast. That's why he stumbles so much and he just can't get the words out. You know, so he is the least energetic crackhead of all time. Yes, yes, but he is also five hundred years old. So that's true too. You got to give him that. Every day, Joe Biden looks more like Emperor Palpatine from Episode Nine, and by I like those the whole army of Palpatines. I'm worried. Here's that a he's depressing. Here's a depressing thought. We all do. Oh. <laughs> all right. On to the Supreme Court. Uh, Not me. So, oh come on! Oh my gosh! I'm muting her. Yeah, I mean him. I mean they. Hey Hunter, let's talk for a minute about OnlineTherapy.com. Now I know that therapy has 
been a giant help and played a huge role in the lives of many people that are close to me. And it probably has done the same or could do the same for some people listening right now. Yeah, no doubt. Therapy has been a huge help in my life. Uh, I've really benefited from it. And one of my favorite things about OnlineTherapy.com is that they utilize cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Uh, this is the idea that your thoughts are what cause your feelings and behaviors, not external stimuli like people, situation, and events. Are you getting angry? Well, that really originates in you. And cognitive behavioral therapy helps you deal with it in a positive way. Yeah, and that's why I'm so excited about OnlineTherapy.com partnering with this is because CBT is a thing that we, we talk about on the show all the time. and something that we actually believe in, that it's the main type of psychological intervention that works. So I'm super excited to be joining up with them. Let me tell you a little bit about how it works. So users that sign up for the system will get paired with a qualified therapist, somebody that has dealt with issues like they're dealing with, and that therapist is going to put together a plan for them. Now, this can involve worksheets, journaling, unlimited messaging with that therapist, and a weekly live session where the therapist and the patient can meet face-to-face, -face, whether it's through video chat or just an audio call, and discuss issues in real time. So there's a lot of different avenues by which you can access the help that you need and the therapist that's assigned to you. That might sound great to you. But does OnlineTherapy.com actually specialize in the mental difficulty that you're struggling with? Well, the answer is more than likely yes. They specialize in anger management, OCD, panic attacks, weight loss, social anxiety, adoption, intimacy, infertility. If you name it, chances are OnlineTherapy.com has a therapist that specializes in your problem and is ready to speak to you today. And not only that, they also offer couples therapy. So if you and your significant other need to talk to someone about some serious issues in your life, OnlineTherapy.com can help with that as well. That's right. So we're super pumped to be joining forces with them and truly hope that they can help out some of our listeners and help folks get back on track. Go to carlpooling.com therapy to access our special offer. We have 20% off your first month when you sign up now at onlinetherapy.com through our link. So again, that's carlpooling.com slash therapy. CBT is real. It's useful. It's powerful. It's helped people that I love and it can help you too. So if you need help, if you're looking for help, reach out to them and that'll also help support the show. So let's get back to it. All right, Hunter. So we've had a big week in the in the term of the Supreme Court here. Mm -hmm. This is this is technically the 2022 October term, I believe, because of the way that these cases are accepted and then meted out. Mm -hmm. um, but we've had some landmark decisions, three that we'd want to talk about because they're so they're so much fun. Um, I'm, and dealer's choice, Hunter. Which one do you want to talk about first? Up to you. Uh, you know. I think I, I don't remember. Someone told me a way to do this and I forgot it. So I want to go least interesting to most interesting because that's how my brain works. Um, what if, what if we started with the uh, Biden's debt forgiveness getting shot down in flames? Let's talk about that. So this is the case Biden at all versus Nebraska at all. Um, yes. Do I know how to speak French? I do. If I say Biden A.L., everyone will think I'm a dickhead. So, it's well, Biden I mean, at all for now. 
I, I thought that before you said it, but now it's oh. like, yeah. Oh, well, go screw yourself, Hunter. Okay, um, <laughs> see, there's another. <laughs> <laughs> so, effectively, let's talk about this case. So, these these students from Nebraska, and Hunter, do you remember the actual the actual school that these individuals were attending? Yeah, Nebraska State. That's a lie. Okay. I mean, it could be true. It's hard to say it isn't. It, but it's hard for me, especially. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. No, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, never mind. I don't. I don't remember. Okay, um, cool. This actually, this one was just the state of Nebraska that was suing. Sorry, I was I was crossing two wires. This is just the state of Nebraska that's suing. So, um, effectively, I think you all recall that during the campaign. Uh, Biden engaged in some mid-tier corruption where he effectively bribed people for their vote. Hunter, do you remember Do you remember the bribes? Uh, no, help me with this. I, I don't remember this, actually. So Biden he... would say things like, if you vote for me, then I'll forgive student debt. Oh, yikes. Yeah. That, that, that could be a bribe. Yeah, well, I mean, it's technically a campaign promise, but... When your campaign promise is a cash payment, I don't know how to differentiate that transactionally from a bribe. Yeah, no doubt. But anyway, it, plan it panned out for him. Good work for the old horse and uh, fair play to him. He got to be president and then he started trying to give students their money back. Um, it Or forgive them. For they didn't spend any money. Like, they were given a loan... And they were basically not having to repay it, essentially. Let's Okay, let's just talk about the underlying issue, and then we'll talk a little bit about the decision. Okay, yeah. Okay, so the underlying issue here is, is more... I'm, I'm going to give a more nuanced take than this deserves. Okay. That's not like the show. That's not... It doesn't sound like the it's show. It's totally throwing off the flavor of the show. This, it, this is the whole show. Hunter, oh, okay. we talked for seven minutes about... Elrond's grandpappy. <laughs> I don't remember that. This, how can you get more nuanced than it deserves than that? Not sure, but you wanted to know. Okay, um, you made me say it. I'm gonna make you say more. Uh, <laughs> first thing, and this is the principle we we generate from. There, it is unacceptable for you to make a contract with another human being. And then not fulfill your term of the contract as long as their end of the contract has not been violated. Period. Period. And in this instance, I'm talking about contracts, about loans from financial institutions. When you get a loan to go get a, a education, you're not contracting usually directly with the school in question. You're contracting with sometimes a quasi-government entity, sometimes a bank, sometimes both. But your loan is not precisely the school that you're getting an education from, right? Mm -hmm. You have to pay it back. There's no two ways about it. If you agree to pay somebody back if they front you money, and then you try and weasel out of it, you're a deadbeat and a loser. Period. Okay. Here's for the nuance take. And then I want to hear what you think about 
my frame of reference here. Okay. One of the worst financial crises that this country has ever seen stemmed from the fact that banks and financial institutions were lending money for the acquisition of goods that were not worth the money that they were lending. So effectively, there was no collateral to put up. Right, and, yeah. And because there was no value backing the interest on these loans, they default, and then we see financial ruin, not simply to the institutions that failed, but to everybody connected with them because they're they're so ubiquitous, some of these institutions, right? Sure. To get a loan, there is there are protections in place for the financial institution that ensure that there's some amount of collateralizations and recuperation possible. If you are giving people loans to go get a degree in lesbian dance theory, there's no collateralization on that loan. I feel attacked. <laughs> Hunter's in 200,000 lesbian dance debt right now. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just not what they're teaching. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just made up seven lesbian dance moves in my brain and none of them are appropriate for the air. Um, but email me and I'll send them to you on the side. <laughs> um, so I do think that I think that there is something a little rotten in the state of Denmark here mm, where mm-hmm. these kids don't know anything. And they're being given these loans that they and there's no give them due the diligence being done to ensure that the thing that they are getting is a good or service that can be collateralized. Yeah, yeah. Now, that being said, even if someone went into engineering, that's no guarantee that they're going to go get a job. So it doesn't excuse the problem. Yep. And there's a there's another layer that underpins It's a safer bet though, right? Yeah, it's certainly like, a, it's certainly a safer bet. Like if you're going to get a degree in lesbian dance theory, that's just a guarantee that you're never going to make any money. Right. Right, right, right. I can't remember who said it, but the proper size of of a women's studies class, the class size is 1 because if there's any more than one student in the class, then they'll never meet the replacement rate because the only person who needs the information from the class in order to fulfill their job is the one teacher. Yeah. So, anyhow. Okay. I've got one other thing I'd like to say about it before we get to the Supreme Court decision, but what are your thoughts on the basic setup of this issue in the country? No, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think that, I mean, I also think that because that money, I mean, the other aspect of this is because money has been so free, right? It's caused prices to skyrocket at universities, right? So you have, not only do you have loans you know, going to bad degrees, you also just have the cost of university going up and up and up and up and up. Right. And so these loans are outrageous for what you're getting for them. Right. Um, take my education, you know, I think my education, because I stayed at home and in state, I think my total, uh, amount that I spent on my college education was essentially $12,000. Right. And I've gotten, I've gotten a great ROI on that. I went into business. I did business things. I made, you know, I did good stuff like that. And you could have had that option if you wanted to. But if you went and 
to a school out of state, you stayed there, or you did any of those things, you know, you spent a lot more money than I did. Whereas, you know, I'm looking at, you know, starting salaries in business are around 60 grand a year when I graduated. So what I spent, you know, uh, 20% of one right, year's of, salary. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, that that was a great investment. But you know, that's not everybody that's not available to everybody. And especially, you know, it if we continue to inflate, and I would say that, you know, my college was inflated probably too, to some extent, because I had a lot of scholarships and things that were helping keep that down. Um, right. So. And this is actually the other point I wanted to talk about. Yeah. It's a very simple economic, economic truism that when the consumer of the good or service is not also the purchaser of the good or service, they become cost elastic. In that yes. they'll pay for the service regardless of the price because they're not the one footing the bill. This is very obvious. The cost elasticity has caused a situation where the institutions are able to contract with a group that has much deeper pockets than their average consumer. And that is the state. Mm. And mm -hmm. when the state is paying for tuition, they can afford a whole lot more for tuition. And we can say things like, well, isn't it worthwhile to invest a bunch of money in the education? I mean, this is the future of your state. And they make these right. types of vacuous, empty arguments, and then people pay. Uh, the state pays a ton of people's taxpayer money to these institutions. So the statistic is something like, and I'm not going to look it up, but it's something like in the same time that inflation increased 100% since about the 70s, 70s to 2015, the cost of... Call a college tuition increased seven thousand percent. That that's not because of inflation, obviously. It's because of cost elasticity. People don't care what mm -hmm. it costs. Who cares what the sticker says when the government is paying for it? And mm -hmm. that happens a lot through scholarships. But it also, I mean, in in Joe Biden's perfect world, it happens through student loans, right? Because that's exactly what he was trying to do: is that these loans are actually just cash payments to individuals to be routed directly to universities for education. So mm, mm -hmm. huge, huge issue there with the way that we've organized, organized that industry. It's the same thing that I think we're seeing in healthcare as well. Mm. Um, regardless that, that is some background where I have, I have a little bit of sympathy, let's say to an extent for the idiots who didn't take their college loans seriously, who didn't take their college career seriously, who didn't take their degree seriously, and just used it as four to ten years on Pleasure Island and then have absolutely nothing to show for it. Um, because, because I do think that there's some institutional malfeasance in that they're not, they're not properly collateralizing these financial products. That being said, as is my my first and general principle in matters like this, that does not excuse you from entering into a contract and then not abide abiding by it. It, it, it just because look, there's bad people out there in the world. There's people out there that are going to try to take advantage of you. There's people that are going to make a quick buck, and if you do business with them in a way that doesn't protect you, the only person to blame is you. As you, you have to blame yourself for that. And certainly the answer can't be that everyone around you has to pay for your stupidity because I didn't, I had zero student loans. I worked my butt off through college. I worked jobs, sometimes, sometimes three and four jobs at a time 
all the way through college so that when I graduated, I didn't have any debt and I didn't have any student loans to pay back. And I had a bunch of friends that just partied and got payments from their parents and took student loans and were, they left with $50,000 in debt. So it's absolutely inconceivable that you would think then that you would get to take my tax money and pay for those kids pleasure cruise not gonna happen mm-hmm. not gonna happen so yeah and i i think that kind of you know the, what makes so that's student loans in in a nutshell right but to kind of transition to what happened you know biden basically says that he's gonna wipe away student low or the student debt and it's like okay Granted, there's there's a lot of people doing some stupid stuff, but you know who's going to pay that bill? Is it going to be the American taxpayer, or is it going to be the person who made those decisions? And yes, they use the collateral of the state government, but who's really going to make sure that all gets paid back? In a sense, you know, we as the American people are willing to give this money to you, the student, as long as you make good on your loan and get that money back to us, right? With interest in the future. Okay, that seems like a reasonable deal. But Biden just says, no, you don't have to do that, right? And so this is kind of one of the things where I feel like he just waved his hand and hoped that it would go this way. And in a different America and a different uh, composition of the Supreme Court, he would have gotten his way properly, uh, because you know, just because we have a nice founding document doesn't mean that it that we always have a events in our history that line up with it. You know, if you put bad people in enough positions, uh, bad things will happen. But that's kind of the amazing part of America is there are a lot of checks and balances to make sure the wrong thing doesn't happen. A few good people stop a lot of bad people, and America's. Uh, form of government and that's exactly what you saw happen here is no you can't forgive this money this is the american people who gave this money and they deserve a return on their investment is essentially what has happened uh by this getting struck down and the case brought by nebraska so right. good excellent and, news and so i'll just I'll, let me give you a little bit more of the the tactical layer here the actual mechanics of the decision okay uh Effectively, the Biden administration was trying to forgive more than $400 billion in student debt. I mean, a massive Just a payment. little bit. Just a little bit. Like a tiny little pond of payments. The way that they were trying to do this, because as you might have heard, Congress has the power of the purse, right? Any payments that are going to be made effectively require authorization by Congress. However, as the Department of Education oversees certain parts of the student loan plan in America, the executive branch, e.g. the Biden administration, tried to simply run this directly through the executive branch without consulting any of the other branches. So a collection of six justices, and by the way, all three rulings that we're going to talk about today were six, three splits in the court. It was... Uh, Supreme Justice Clarence Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Roberts on the majority opinions with Kagan, Jackson, and Sotomayor dissenting. But the, the Supreme Court effectively said, no, this plan violates the Constitution because it's effectively a payment that is being made without authorization by Congress. So be very clear. This was a bribe. Biden was attempting to bribe the American people into voting for him, especially the students, with 
saddled with debt in America for voting for him. And you've heard plenty of these stories in the media where someone goes, well, I took out another another loan. I bought a car because I heard Biden was going to repay my student loans for me. So this was just a bribe. It was a lie. And it was also an a power grab. It was an attempt to use power that is not not given to the executive branch in order to bribe the American people for votes. And it failed, as it should have. And if there's any justice in the world, Biden will reap the whirlwind in his reelect effort because he bribed, he lied, and he left he left everybody on the floor on this one. So not not to mention that he tried to usurp power that is not his. So it was tyrannical as well. Right. Barack Obama tried to usurp power again. Right. This to do time something that <laughs> wearing old face and white face. Oh man. No more pen. No more pens. Get the votes. A pen and Stop a phone. Stop it. What a what yeah. a jerk. Um, yeah, that's an Obama quote for you for those of you who don't know. So All right, Hunter, no. which issue is slightly more interesting? Oh, dude, it's definitely this thing that happened in Colorado with this lovely lady who just wanted to make websites, but some she didn't want to make. Um That's right. I, I can't do, do you know the name of her company? Yeah. Or? Yeah, 303 Creative LLC. Okay, Versus that's a great... Alenis. I, I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, but I don't care. Um, I'm 100% sure that 303 stands for uh, chapter and verse of some book. Um, I don't know which one, but... And it could be like chapter 3, verse 3, or chapter 30, verse 3. It's hard to tell. But, like, I'm 100% sure. So, you guys know about Masterpiece Cake Workshop in Colorado. Colorado's got this law that says you basically can't discriminate against certain people. And it's really, really kind of broad. And it seems to have some religious liberty problems in it as well. Well, this lady smelled the writing on the wall. And she had a business that made websites for people. And she made a lot of websites for a lot of people in the past. Including some gay customers. Uh, Just for whatever business they were starting, whatever was going on in their lives that they wanted a website for, that's what 303 Creative did. They wanted to start building wedding websites. You're probably familiar with these. These are the websites that have the RSVP details, the gift registries, you know, all the details, maybe even a f- couple fun anecdotes about the couple's uh, dating history and things like that. And she wanted to start developing these websites as well. But she thought about... Colorado's law and realize that as a Christian with her beliefs that she could not be making websites for gay weddings. And so she immediately, before she ever had uh, a deal like this in place, um, sued the uh, sued Colorado essentially uh, over the fact over this fact that, she shouldn't have to make websites for gay weddings based on their law. Yeah, she was and basically seeking an injunctive relief stating that she wouldn't have to violate her own principles by creating a website for a, a gay couple, celebrating yep. a gay couple. Yeah, and so long long story short, this has gone the way a lot of these have gone, is that she doesn't have to, right? The Supreme Court looked at this, looked at what her religious liberties were, and said, no— this violates um, 
this violates her the protection for her religious liberty. Uh, she doesn't have to make a website for somebody she doesn't want to. Why do they do that? Well, it's compelled speech, right? It's making her say something that she doesn't believe in, right? Uh, if you were a ghostwriter and I made you say that I love gay weddings, they're my favorite thing, and so does Jesus, and you're a Christian who didn't believe that, you should have the right to refuse to do that. And that's essentially the same thing that they said in this uh, ruling. Now, Christopher, I want to hear anything you have to say about this in addition. But to me, one of the things that I've thought that's that I've wanted to think about on this case and that continues to like ride in my imagination a little bit is where is the line here, right? Because I think – because here, here's what I strongly believe. If you want to live in America that allows for religious freedom and allows for um, free speech and all these things, there is 100% going to be a dividing line on this issue, right? There is going that there are Christians and religious people who do not want to support this with their speech, um, who may even don't want to do other commerce activities related with a gay a gay wedding and do not want to be involved with it whatsoever in any form that they might consider celebratory, right? And there are strange people that just make religions out of whole cloth all the day, all the time in the United States. Like Muslims. Uh, well, no, but you are you are a warlock of the Earth Circle at one point in your life. No, because, Hunter, Hunter. Yeah, I'm I sorry. A, I'm a druid of the Temple of the Earth. Excuse me, right? And and maybe that's got some history or something, but you did that for a funny bet. That's another story for another day. But, you know, what's to stop somebody from making a religion and saying, well, no, I can't serve black people at my restaurant because it is part of my religion that that's wrong for me to do. And so I, I'm happy with this decision. I think it's the right decision for what's going on here, and I don't think people should be forced to say something they don't believe with. But I'm also wondering if there's any way for us to parse this out. I'm curious if you have any thoughts to that uh, so, with the fact that people can make up religions out of whole cloth. Let, let me – yeah, I've got, I've, got some, I've got some thoughts on this. Let me say, first of all, this is absolutely a phenomenal decision because the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act is a is – a, festering smoldering pile of human feces and laws like it are so overbroad and so over argued that they're impossible to enforce without pestering to death the citizens of your state that disagree with the current cultural ethos so it is an absolute disaster and a tragedy of a law uh, and it needs to be it needed to be struck down. And the great thing about this getting struck down at the Supreme Court level is now no laws like it will long stand because this precedent will be taken into account by all the lower courts. And even if there's a, you know, an activist lower court, it won't matter. So this is absolutely fantastic that this decision went the way that it did. And, you know, it, things like the, the lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit and all the money, all the legal fees that had to be paid by masterworks cake shop over fighting frivolous lawsuits like this will now more than likely just be thrown out and and this law has to be completely struck down by colorado so absolutely fantastic decision here uh let me and, and it's also a huge win for free speech right just because you mm -hmm. want to have certain kinds of speech in a certain arena i want to i want to have certain types of creative speech about marriage does not there 
for enforce me to have all types of creative speech about marriage, which is effectively what the the injunction injunction was being sought against in this case. So amazing win for religious rights, amazing win for free speech. Um, this actually has nothing to do with gay rights. It has actually nothing to do with gay rights. Um, gay rights were never on the docket here. They are not impinged in any way by this case. It is not the right of any homosexual person to force someone else to do any business for them. And and this is this is the tough part, Hunter. Mm-hmm. At a minimum, at a minimum, we have to agree that there can be no compelled speech in this country. And that yep. that has that is an absolute minimum bar that we must uphold. Even saying horrible things, right? Yeah, like, right. yeah. And, and yeah. it has nothing to do with gay rights. No, absolutely nothing. Um, I, I can't remember who dissented in this one, um, but I will in one second. Sotomayor, Katanji Brown Jackson. I, I'm, I, I mean, who wrote the dissent? Because I, ah, I wrote, Sotomayor, ah. Sotomayor wrote the dissent here. Um, and arguing that this was all about gay rights and this is a setback for uh, gay people and this is you know a discriminatory decision and all this kind of stuff. It's not. It's not because effectively what the what the plaintiff here was seeking was to ensure that there could be no impingement of of anybody's rights and that no tyrannical person with a different sexual orientation could come along and force her to say what she did not want to say. It is that simple. So it's actually Unless you're talking about the right for gay people to be little tyrants and force people to work for them, for forced slave labor out of people who wouldn't otherwise do it, uh, then no, this is this has nothing to do with gay rights. And Sotomayor is a hack and a moron. So, so that brings up the question though: How far does this go? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I'll say this: the reason that the standard in the constitution is freedom of association period is because any other standard is complex to the point of of near unenforceability so you say well i don't want to i don't want to uh live in an america where a restaurant can open up and not serve a black family let's say mhm I understand that, and I agree with that principle. I don't want to live there either. But you get into this sticky situation then where you have individuals that can enter your place of business, act however they want, then you go to remove them from your business or you decide not to serve them, and then it's a discrimination issue. Um, you also get to this very peculiar problem this is kind of at the heart of it where effectively you are you are allowed to do business but if you do business for anybody you must do business for everybody and that's actually a personal liberty issue because effectively what happens then is people can come in and compel your behavior you have to serve me you're forced to serve me. The state is going to force you to serve me. And 
there are a million complexities and a million different boxes that you can draw around why someone would choose to not serve or would choose to serve certain individuals over others. And most of them are, are foolish. I mean, if you're not serving every demographic at your restaurant, let's say, then you're just, you know, their money is just as green as everybody else's, right? Mm -hmm. So you're being a, a little bit foolish. But if the state can come into my business and say, you have to contract with this individual, we get into this very sticky wicket of, of the government compelling labor. And that's why freedom of association is written into the constitution. So there's, yeah, there's you know, part of me that says that the barrier should be creative work yeah, and then I there's a more fundamental that. part of me. I think a more fundamental part of me that says, even if it's terrible, we cannot get into a position where we allow the government to compel work because it's it's too risky. It's too yeah. much power for the government to hold. I, I I don't know. Like, there's a part of me that says, you know, if I'm if I'm flipping burgers, I got to serve them to everybody. You know, like I I don't. And that doesn't mean like someone can say order something impossible. But if someone comes into my shop and says, "Hey, I like a burger," you know, if they've got money, I've got to give them a burger. Like I don't get like there's certain reasons why. Yeah, like if they're being belligerent or they're hurting people or they're like saying nasty things to me, then I can probably tell them to leave. But like I can't. But if they're just being a normal human being, I feel like I can't not at I can't not serve them the burger, especially when I think through like. America's past on some of these issues. Right. Like we're like that's like uniquely things that we have done horrible at. You know, um and I shouldn't say uniquely. I mean like a lot of cultures have done really bad at this, but one that definitely stands out in our past, right? But then it's like at the same time, I don't want to compel somebody in a creative manner to use their speech in a way that they disagree with. Like I I have a I, that to me gets at this spiritual essence of who that person is that I don't think the government can infringe upon. But handing somebody a Coca-Cola out of the fridge I uh, I have that that doesn't do that. But here's you know? but this uh, this is what I was getting at. So I'm going to make the counter yeah. argument now cuz this gets it to the argument I was said at the beginning about it's complex to almost be unenforceable. Mhm. Mm Certainly, you know, there's handing it's pouring someone a fountain drink at Wendy's, right? Mhm. Mm and then there's a five-star restaurant where an individual has been perfecting and honing his or her culinary craft for decades. And who's to say that's not creative? And why should he be forced to to serve, let's say, the local Satanists come in and, and want to have a pro-Satan banquet at his restaurant? Why should he be forced to serve them? Um that's it's very complex like what actually is defined as creative work yeah that's it's it's hard to enforce right i mean it's obviously at a minimum i think you'd agree it's a gray area uh i feel less i feel less compelled by the five-star chef you know because it's not speech at the end of the day uh, um, that's complicated and i think the other thing here I mean, it's all kind of complicated, but I also feel like it, like, like I go to like the masterpiece cake workshop guy, like he gave cakes to people who use them in their, in their gay weddings. Right. 
But what he wouldn't do is he wouldn't like happy gay wedding on top of it, right? Like he wouldn't he wouldn't use that was the line for him where it was the creative act of actually using his hands to make a message he disagreed with fundamentally. Like I think that's a pretty good line. Um, I don't know if that's the best line in the world. Like, I don't know if that makes everybody philosophically happy, but I do think that's like a good line most people could agree on. Yeah. You know, which is. I think it's a totally valid proposition. Um, Yeah. I also think, but, and here's the thing I also think that it's a valid proposition for someone to say, if I don't want to do the job for this client, I'm not going to do the job for this client. And to give for for whatever reason, and the this is the tough the tough part to give the government the ability to compel you to contract is something that I think we should be unwilling generally to do. Um, yeah. that's that's because at the bottom line, what we're saying is the government can come in and force you to perform that labor, and I don't think that is wise. And I think that's why the founders framed it in the Constitution that we had freedom of association. So, yeah. and, and I'm not saying that all all anti discrimination laws are bad. Far from it. Far from it. But anything that compels somebody's labor makes me very uncomfortable because of the possible future ramifications. I'm totally fine with people saying that you're not allowed to discriminate discriminate against certain characteristics, like. To me, like, I I think that's fine. Um, I I wish, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is there are enough bad actors, I think, in the world where not doing that is just untenable, right? Um, I have a different feeling about creative work, for sure. I also just feel like, you know, there's a temperature in the room, too. And if you don't do something like this, the other side won't agree to it. You know what I mean? So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's a little bit of politics to this as well. Oh, for it's sure, like, for sure. You, you've got like, I'm, and I'm, what I mean is it's not the most moral choice, okay? Like you, you've got to let people have access to goods and service in society and expect that the color of their skin or who they sleep with doesn't affect their access to certain goods. I, you know, I agree with that, and, and this is another reason why I think. Well, and we're about to get to it in the last story here. But, yeah. but this is this is an endemic issue with anti-discrimination laws, generally speaking, mm-hmm. is that the goalposts constantly move, constantly sure. move. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And if you open up a restaurant today that doesn't serve black people, personally, I don't know a single white person that would eat there. Sure, I per- yeah. I personally don't know them. I'm sure there's seven in Kentucky, but. <laughs> this this is a thing that I do think is better handled by the free market than it is handled by government. But if you opened it up 75 years ago, every white person you know would have eaten there. That, like that's the weird part to it too, right? That that's that's not exactly true, but that's that's possibly true. You're um, you're right. There's probably some good actors there, but it it would have been a lot less of a problem. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. But yeah. but this is why freedom of association is important because now yeah. we're saying that, well, this anti-discrimination now attaches to, attaches to, 
LGBTQIA stuff. And now it attaches yeah. to trans stuff. And what if in, in five years yeah. it attaches to pedophilic stuff and maps? Yeah. And what if it attaches to people that like to have sex with dolphins? And you know what I'm saying? There is yeah, yeah, th- yeah, this yeah, is yeah, an yeah. inherent problem with allowing the government to mitigate these social issues instead of the free market of ideas. And so yeah. that's why that's why I'm hesitant to say that the government can compel labor at any time because I think you would agree. Let's go back to the five star restaurant instance. Yep. Yep. Should uh, should I as a chef be forced to serve maps? No. And I the, I, I don't think so, but I also don't know how that would come up. Well, I'm just saying protective the protective classes have proliferated and yeah. they might proliferate again and that that's what i'm saying is why we have to be careful as a general principle of letting the government compel labor yeah but but like the grocery store should absolutely still sell them food i right no, oh not for not um, pedophiles no yeah if yeah, i yeah if, like, if like I, pedophiles if, still have to eat I, like oh like, not, not in my opinion okay nobody has to eat on the wrong end of a wood chipper um, <laughs> you you know what I'm saying though, right? Like if some like I understand people, what you're saying. I, I yeah. do understand what you're saying. I just I if, if I'm a business owner and there's a known pedophile that wants my groceries, yeah, no, get out, and I'll sleep I'll sleep like a child that night, which might sure. attract him. Um, what I'm trying <laughs> to say is like someone might be a genuine pedophile, yet never acting on that. You know, you don't want to make society in like, you get what I'm trying to say. I, like, I, yeah, I, I do understand, and I'm also fine with it. I do want to make okay. a society where it's where it's they can't eat. It's unacceptable, even if they are like decent people with good jobs and families and everything like that. Just if, the, if you're a pedophile, you're a pariah. Okay. The only thing that I would give you is if I if I ran a store that sold ammunition, I would give you one free am, round of ammunition. That's so generous of you. Thank you. You're a saint. And the velocity <laughs> that I serve it to you at is variable. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I think I think like an easy solution to this is if you are not committing crimes and you're not in any way breaking the law, you know you should be you should expect to receive, receive goods and services uh, that are not creative in the community. Uh, and I, I, I yeah I I don't know exactly. I mean anybody could just say you're a dick. I don't want to give it to you. You know, Which I think people like, should be allowed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, people can get in fights and all that nonsense, but, but like, I, I don't, I don't know how you do it any other way than that. That in a real way that actually works for people, that people can agree to. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, I, yeah. It's very complicated, and and the world that that you want is the same world that I think is best. And also, I don't think the government should. I don't think the government is equipped or responsible enough to be the arbiter of that and if i don't want to serve you just because i don't like you i think i should be allowed to do that and let me put it this way i definitely don't think the government should be allowed to tell me that i'm not allowed to do that yeah but i should be able to sue you you can try but yeah but i don't i i don't think there should be any laws that say that i have to i have to perform any unit of labor gotcha I just don't think that that's that can be mitigated by the government. So anyhow, yeah, um, because I won't I won't serve pedophiles. In fact, if you're a pedophile listening to this podcast right now, forever nap. Um, and with that, 
let's go to our last story yeah of the day our last scandal and this is students for fair admissions incorporated versus president and fellows of harvard college boy now they coming for you yeah for real the graduating class of brown university in 10 years all asians they did it they did it they flipped the script good on them all right hunter tell us a little bit about this one man so these students uh basically put a lawsuit together that they were being discriminated against they were asian students and that they were being discriminated against white students that white students were having an easier time entering harvard in these other schools than they were and they took that all the way to the supreme court uh, which seems like a really dumb move for Harvard because it was pretty obvious this is exactly what they were doing in several different avenues. Um, and the other thing that's really interesting about this too, uh, although it, it doesn't pertain too much to what's on the case, it seems the reason for this primarily comes from Harvard's legacy admissions. And so what you have here is Harvard essentially is letting rich people and people who have been to Harvard through the doors. But... They still want to be liberal and cool and have a photo that they can put on front of a magazine that looks like they're diverse. So, in order to make that happen, they massage how they allowed the rest of the students to enter based on SAT scores. If you were Asian, you had to do so crazy good on your SAT to get into Harvard. If you were black, not so much. They would kind of let you slip through. It, It was something like Asians had to score one standard deviation. On average, the Asian entrant because of race-based admissions validating the Asian students had to do like one standard deviation better than a white student to have their to get in on average and Mm. a black student could do up to two standard deviations worse than the average white student to get in Mm. so Mm -hmm. a huge discrepancy in scores at our Ivy League institutions so yeah yeah exactly and it's it's kind of sickening and it's upsetting because what you expect is that you work hard for this on your sat score you do extracurricular activities and then you get evaluated uh, against the other students like that regardless of your race but affirmative action kind of said no we need to help people up we need to make sure that they have a chance to get into these colleges as well people that don't perform so well because of past discrimination and well that's all good uh to a certain extent but a lot of the affirmative action laws that have been made in the past were all done with the idea that this practice would end at some point in fact um the most recent ruling the supreme court said that affirmative action essentially breaks the law of the land and that they expect in 25 years it will no longer be necessary right so this comes a little bit before that 25 year mark and we still don't really see in society when this practice is going to stop and so it's that kind of conversation that a lot of the justices on the supreme court entered into you know they want to kind of understand what the limiting factor is on all this and essentially they said enough is enough you guys haven't figured it out you don't know when this is going to stop and the problem's getting worse. You're affecting other minorities now, too. Um, so, hence the case brought by the Asian students who are being discriminated against. Yeah, okay. So, let me say a couple of things about this. 
Yeah. Um, affirmative action was a solution targeted at a real problem, and it was a terrible solution. Yes. If you subscribe to the Kendian model that to solve past racist discrimination, you need present anti-racist discrimination, which is yeah. the best the best illustration and explanation of what affirmative action is that I've ever heard, mm-hmm. then you have failed. You have failed in coming up with a solution that is is capable of solving the problem of past discrimination. Mm-hmm. Was there a a massive prejudice and issue in our institutions against black students? Absolutely. Could it possibly be solved by discriminating against students based on skin color? No. It, no. it That was never actually going to work. And let me say this as well. The courts that allowed this to proceed were the least principled courts in our existence. That it is never acceptable to break the law to do something that you perceive is a good thing. So they failed on the outcomes front. They also failed on the inputs front because mm. it's, it is immoral. It is immoral to leave your first principles because the timing calls for it. If your first principles prevent you from providing relief that needs to be provided then your principles are in need of revision at least to become more nuanced so we never should have had affirmative action in the way that it's currently instantiated was currently instantiated instantiated um and it's never acceptable to discriminate positively or negatively based on somebody's skin color it's ridiculous um, and it, it is it is incompatible with proper race relations in any country. Yeah, the interesting piece about this whole case is in the uh, majority opinion, the door to race-based admissions is actually still left open um, in one sentence where basically Justice John Roberts says that Nothing is wrong with considering race as it affects someone's personal journey. So what he is essentially saying there is what you cannot do universities is you cannot use a checkbox of someone saying I am black and then taking that one data point and placing greater tolerance on their SAT scores when you admit them based on that data point. He is saying that if someone writes in their personal essay you know, I was black growing up in America, and that meant I saw certain things that people of other races didn't see, blah, 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 whatever that means. You know, my my parents have been discriminated against. My grandparents have been discriminated against. All of that is affecting me. He's still saying that's allowed, which seems like what Harvard and other schools will kind of lean on. They'll get more creative about how this all works. Um, who knows if that's going to still generate problems or not? Who knows where that's going to go? Um, there's definitely just certain people, too, that you know will explicitly tell you. You know, I've met some people like this that they favor you know certain races over others when it comes to charitable acts. You know, and so those people obviously are at Harvard because Harvard is basically saying as much as that they're going to do uh, this. And let's just be clear: that is racist. 
Yeah, exactly. And so I I think, unfortunately, that's there. Um, I'm curious to see how this one gets handled in the future and what other lawsuits, if any, will be brought against it or tangent to it. Um, but yeah. The good piece of it, though, is that based on the wording of the decision, it should effectively do away with race-based quotas. So yes. what what wasn't happening, and you'll be excused for thinking this, is that there these students or these groups were coming in and analyzing incoming students and saying, okay, well, if you want to be uh, if you want to be a Harvard grad and you're a Asian student, your SAT score has got to be this high. And if you're white, a uh, little less. And if you're black, uh, way less. What they were actually doing is saying, we have to have the proper diversity mixture at our at our university. So we're going to divide the students up into columns and then take the, from the top until we have the proper mixture, the proper balance. So that resulted in average SAT scores being wildly different because of the candidate quality from the different races that were applying. But it's not like they were arbitrarily assigning systems of of prejudice and systems of hierarchy. If they did, you would imagine that white students would require the highest scores um, because that is the going ethos of the day. But it's actually the Asian students that had the highest scores. So for them to get the proper race composition that they were looking for, for their brochures, like Hunter mentioned, the, the test scores were wildly different. So yes. Can somebody write about their experiences, a black American in America and their Harvard entrance exam? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And far be it from me to say that they couldn't. Um, now should that pass as much muster as it does with the Harvard, um, you know applicant review board as it does right now Eh, i don't think so but that's okay but the era of race-based quotas should effectively be over with this law with this decision in fact i think it i think it will be illegal if people continue to implement race-based quotas which has resulted in the wild discrimination that we see and Mm. good on these students too for explaining that they were being discriminated by white people um, this is the problem. While we're out playing basketball, Asian students are studying, <laughs> yeah. and they because this is this was such a smart way to do it. Point at mm. the white devils and say, "You can't discriminate against us like this compared to white people." Um, of course, the knock-on effect is that it affects it helps white people out as well um, in the long run. So yeah. Anyhow, I, I think that this is a great decision as well. Uh, people are losing their minds over it. Uh, don't lose your mind. Study. And, and, and this brings us to one other issue that, that is just always worth talking about when you're talking about the different achievements of different different racial groups in America. This has nothing to do with rote intelligence. This has nothing to do with genetics. It has everything to do with culture. And there are there are cultures like Nigerians who come to America that that earn the pants off of the average white person mm-hmm. because they have a culture of personal responsibility and hard work. Uh, the Asian cultures are very much focused towards studies. They are, and they achieve, they achieve because it's a cultural value to them. And that's, that's a good thing. And that doesn't mean that, that white students 
and black students can't and haven't achieved just as high as, as Asian students, but as a block, as an aggregate, as an average, we have different priorities. And if you don't like that, change your priorities. There's no reason that you have to be a slave to your culture. And so the personal liberty model here really does say that you can be whatever you want to be. So if you want to achieve, make forget about your cultural your cultural values. Make what is truly valuable to you one of your personal values. And there's no reason that you can't achieve the same things that other people achieve. It's actually a perversity, in my opinion, that so many people feel pigeonholed by their skin color when what they really should be seeing is that I might be embedded in a culture that doesn't value what I find valuable. So. I'm still looking for the group of us that values Cheetos. That's that's white people, Hunter. Oh, is it? Thank yeah, God. Yeah, that's, that's obese okay. white people. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to go find Halo, my Great at Halo, though, generally speaking. Great at Halo and chugging the dew. Chugging the dew. Mm. Maybe that should be our mm. new tagline. Yeah, chug the dew. Chug the dew. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. Any other thoughts on this one, Hunter? No, aced it. Well done. Um, yeah, you could be a Supreme Court justice tomorrow after listening to this show. That's how legal we are. I will say I listened to like, I love the free press, uh, Barry Weiss's outfit, and I love uh, the podcast um, that they do on that, honestly. But I will say I cannot listen to the debates that they do, and I thought this one would be a good one based on a sound clip I heard. Um, they talked about these three decisions as well, and it is it is one of the most painful things to listen to. I don't know why debates are bad uh, on that podcast or just in general, like, you know, I think smart people talking about big events on podcasts is actually not insightful. That's about, I should say that better. Like smart people that are not there to come to an agreement. They're there to just say their point is not insightful. It's just as bad as CNN and Fox, but really that's a little off topic. So, well, anyway, maybe we should have them on to debate us and then we'll fall into yeah. our own trap of being not insightful. Oh no. And they know way more about it than I do. Like I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, but I feel like you listen to that show, you have no idea what to think. Really? And that to me is upsetting. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah. that's why we always tell you exactly what to think here on Carpooling, mm-hmm. the only correct source of truth in the entire universe. Uh you that's have us. you have to come here for it. It's the only way. Uninformed truth. Okay. Yeah, well the best kind, right? <laughs> the best kind. <laughs> Guys, Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, I really do appreciate you. Send us an email with your questions at carlpooling at gmail.com. Visit our website at carlpooling.com where you can find links and references to all of our episodes and all the different podcast platforms that you can listen to us on. Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Amazon Podcasts, which we'll see if they take off. God bless them over there. Follow me at Chris X Carl on the socials. Hunter's at Emotional Carl, and the show is at Carl Pulling. Drop us a follow. Drop us a like. Remember, we've got plenty of great sponsors. You can check out our affiliate link at our website and get some discounts and some some very cool merch in the meantime at carlpulling.com slash store. With that said, if you have if you are a nascent Supreme Court justice and you are studying Latin and you can't tell the difference between stare decisis, prima nocta, and carpe diem, then 
you need to study more for your Latin before you get tested. Did I work Prima Nocta into the podcast? Yes. And if you're listening right now, you know exactly who that was for. <laughs>